to the Prophecy Club. I'm going to attempt to explain the rapture. As I said the other day, I really believe that it is probably the most divisive thing in all of Christianity. It has probably broken up more churches, more marriages, more friendships than any other single thing. And the reason we misunderstand it is primarily because we lack information. Obviously, if we had enough information, we had the truth, then there would be no squabbling over the rapture. Well, what is the information that we are missing? Today, I'm going to make the case that it is because we don't understand the feasts. As you recall, I memorized the book of Revelation a couple of years ago, and in that process, I got one audible voice, 30 different revelations, and two visions. And one of those revelations was that there's a secret door, a single word, that links Leviticus 23, the feasts, to Revelation and the prophecies therein. So the feasts are the pattern. In other words, they tell you where to put the prophecies located in Revelation. Now, even though my life has been Bible prophecy for 40 years, I did not know this. This was all shown to me. This is all part of this revelations I got, which is in my book, which is the reason if you want to understand Bible prophecy, if you want to know the truth, then you got to get my book. That's all it is. It just, just, then you got to get my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. All right, let's talk about the rapture. Revelation thirteen sixteen says, and I will read it. I can quote it, but I'll read it. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in the right hand or in their foreheads. Now, when it says that third word is, he causeth, that means he forces. Then other scriptures says, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. So not only are they tried to talk into it because he has a mouth speaking great things, but they're actually forced. He forces people to take the mark if they want to live. They want to buy or sell. They have to have the mark. Now, here's the question. If there is a pre-trib rapture, that would mean that the beast would have to force all people to take the mark. And if all believers have been taken out before the tribulation, then who will the beast force to take the mark? Let me write say it again. So if all of the believers are taken out before the tribulation, who is the beast going to force to take the mark? The answer is no one, because the only ones left are going to be the sinners the tares, the grapes, the foolish virgins, the ones that he won't have to force them at all. They'll quickly and easily take it. Matter of fact, most of them think it'll be a good idea. Get rid of all these credit cards, driver's license, don't have to carry anything. Yeah, take the mark, and then you're right into the system. They'll think it's lovely. They won't see a problem, and they won't see a problem with accepting this guy as their Messiah or their Vishnu or their Mahdi. Depends on whatever they have been taught in the past. They won't have a problem with them at all. So, no, the Christians are not taken out. But let me explain the feasts so you can understand how the ends really happen. Okay, first of all, the feast of the Lord. Leviticus 23.1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim, Be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Verse 3. Now, this is talking about the Sabbath. Sabbath happens every seven days. Win, lose, or draw, rain, or shine, it happens every seven days. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. That means a meeting. You shall do no work therein. 
It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now the feasts begin. Verse 4. This is Passover. This is according to Leviticus. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, in other words, meetings, which you proclaim in your seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. Then the next verse says, On the fifteenth day of the same month, means the next day, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, we understand that Jesus crucified the afternoon of Passover. He was in the ground before the sun went down, and then that evening was Passover, and that also actually starts unleavened bread, but Leviticus says it officially starts the next day. So we're going to go with Leviticus' understanding here, but that's not the way it happened. That's not the way it actually happened, I should say it that way, back in Moses' day. But nevertheless, Leviticus 23 says the next day is unleavened bread. That represents the three days that Jesus was in the earth. Then, verse 9, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you become into the land which I give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Well, what's that? Well, the very first harvest that is ripened in Israel is the barley harvest. So it doesn't say barley, but it is the barley harvest. Then it says you're supposed to bring a sheaf. Well, what's a sheaf? Well, frankly, I had to look it up. It's a handful. So they just take a handful of barley flour and they mix it with oil. So that makes kind of a a large cookie looking affair and they bake it. And then they break that before the Lord. And that is representative of that particular feast, that particular part of it. Verse 12. And then it goes on to say, you shall offer that day. This is very important. If you want to understand prophecy, you've got to understand this next phrase. That day you shall wave the sheaf. And with the sheaf, a he lamb, as in a male lamb, without blemish of the first year. So he makes this cookie out of barley, adds oil to hold it together, bakes it, and then he offers a he, a boy, a male lamb, without blemish, that is no more than one year old. It's in his first year for a burnt offering. Then he goes on to say, and you shall also offer another meat offering or a big loaf of this same barley loaf and it's two-tenth deals of fine, or again, barley flour. All right, now, you may be saying, what's a tenth deal? Okay, a tenth deal is about a two-liter bottle. So try to imagine if you've got a, like a two-liter two bottle of pop and you got that filled with this barley flour and you're not allowed to add any leaven in this one. You can only add oil. So they add oil, and they, they, in this case, they only make one big barley loaf with these two tenth, tenth deals of barley flour. Now, this is going to make sense here in just a second. An offering made to the Lord by fire, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now, this is the fulfillment of it, of it in Revelation. In other words, this was the first shadow and then the fulfillment is found in Revelation 14.1. And to this day, I've never found anyone that teaches what you're about to hear. This was another one of the revelations I got. Revelation 14.1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. These are they, and I'm skipping two verses, these are they that are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. 
These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed. This is important. Here comes the secret door. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, I want to cover all of this in this broadcast, but if I don't even get to the end, you got to get this. So it says, these. Who is this? Well, there's 144,000 somethings standing on Mount Zion. Wait, 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 wait. We have all been taught that when Jesus returns again, he's going to return to Mount of Olives and he's put his foot down and it splits in two. Okay, well, wait a minute. This is, this is not the Mount of Olives. It clearly says this is Mount Zion. Well, Mount Zion, what's the difference between Mount Zion and Mount of Olives? Well, it's about a 30-minute walk, and it's a whole lot different. It's a much smaller place. Mount Zion, putting 144,000 on top of Mount Zion, is you pretty much covered the top of it. It's, not a, it's, it's more like a molehill. All right, so the picture is we've got a sheaf of first fruits, a handful that makes a small cookie. Then we've also got a large barley loaf that is cooked, all with oil, all without leaven. And along with that, they have to sacrifice a boy, a male lamb, without blemish of the first year. Do you see how those connect? Now, probably most of you listening right now, you're probably looking around saying, no, (laughs) because I tell you the truth. Before I got all these revelations, if you'd have said this to me, I'd have said, no, I don't see how that connects. Here's how it connects. First of all, this is the word first fruits, Revelation 14. These were redeemed from among men, from among men being the first fruits. Then you go back to Leviticus. It's saying you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. This happens on first fruits, meaning that this is the fulfillment of the command. See, the feasts are a foreshadow of things to come. They are a rehearsal of the last days. They are a picture of the last days. They're really telling what's going to happen in the last days, way back in the days of Moses. The purpose of the feasts is not to inconvenience us. It's not to bring division in our families. The purpose of the feasts is to show Jesus to the Jews. It's to help them to find Jesus, because when they see my book and they see these revelations, they're going to have to say, well, wow, well, revelation must be true. And then if revelation's true, then, well, then, well, then Jesus would have to be our Messiah. So what this is actually saying, this 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads on top of Mount Zion, this is the fulfillment of a he lamb without blemish, meaning what is on Mount Zion, these 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads are one, excuse me, 144,000 one-year-old male Jewish boys that died in their first year. What? Okay, you remember uh, Bathsheba was taking a bath. David saw her and got, got her to come in. He laid with her, and they had a child. And that child died at seven days old. So it may very well be that one of those children, these 144,000 children that arise on first fruits, will be David's child. Why is it? Why are they chosen? Well, first of all, there's no leaven allowed in this particular sacrifice. 
So that's the reason it says, these are they that are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, if they're less than one year old, they haven't had women. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. That tells us that Jesus walks around on Mount Zion for about 50 days. I'll get to that in a second. With these 144,000 one-year-old boys. Now, are they in a one-year-old boy body or are they in an adult body? And the answer is I don't exactly know, but probably an adult body. But let's go on. Then the important part here is these were redeemed from among men, meaning these were not under the blood of Christ. They had no sin. They got in because they were without sin. They were the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. They were the first fruits of the harvest. Whereas when Jesus arose, he was the first fruits of them that slept, the Bible says. Big difference. It goes on to say, in their mouth was found no guile. Why was that? Because they were one year old. They never learned to talk. They never said any word. So they had never said a bad word. They never said anything wrong, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So this is 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys that will get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? For one reason only. They had no fault before the throne of God. They are of the first year. They are Jewish, and they are lambs. They are the first fruits. Okay, now, if you got that, Hopefully you did. You got to remember that. The first fruits. First fruits, 144,000 Jewish one-year-old boys. Then we go 50 days later. Now, here's what the Bible says. And you shall count from you on the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So it's simply saying 50 days later. Even unto the morrow after the Sabbath, you shall number 50 days. And you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You should bring out of your habitations. Here it is. This is about to talk about you and me. Bring out your habitations to wave loaves. Now, remember the other one on first fruits. That's one loaf. It has two tenth deals of fine barley flour. So it's a whopper of a loaf. It's probably a loaf that if you spread your arms apart from left to right, it would probably fill all of that except it has no leaven, so it's only like a giant pancake. So it's unleavened bread. So they got in because they didn't have any sin. However, this says two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine, and it doesn't say uh, wheat, but we do know that this is the wheat harvest. Well, what is wheat a picture of? Obviously, wheat is a picture of the Christians. How do you know that? Because of the parable of the wheat and the tares. So the wheat is representative of Christians, whereas the barley is representative of the Jews or the Israelites, to be actually more correct. It should be bacon with leaven. In other words, these are a group of people that had sin. Leaven is a picture of sin. They had sin, yet they're allowed into heaven. Well, how do you make it into heaven with sin? That you remember where the angel turned and said, What are these arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, <laughs> Sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. And I washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. That's us, brothers and sisters. That's what it's talking about. This is the call to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is on Pentecost. This is 50 days later. So let me summarize so far. 
So Jesus returns the next time to the Mount Zion in a lamb body, not the glorified body yet. You remember where the two angels standing there and said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that she has seen shall return in like manner. Well, how did he leave? He left in a lamb body. Thomas could touch him. They ate fish together. Probably he will return in the same clothes. That's the reason it says, behold, there was a, at midnight there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Well, why does it say go ye out to meet him? Because if you're living in Israel this particular time, you can see Jesus return as the Lamb of God. He's not King of Kings yet. Has met in the marriage supper yet. He returns as the Lamb of God with 144,000. I've never heard anybody that has, has this revelation. Maybe they do, but I haven't heard of it. So Jesus with 144,000 return on first fruits. Then 50 days later, then the ritual is two wave loaves. Why is it two wave loaves? Because one represents the Christians, one represents the Israelites or the Jews. And how is it they get in since they had leaven? Because they were washed in the blood of the lamb. Verse 22, and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shall not make a clean riddance of the corners of the field. When thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. That's very important, meaning not all of the harvest that grew in the field will be harvested. There'll be some of the harvest that remains. Now, who are they? Well, the Bible calls them the nations. What I just told you is real important. You don't understand that. You're going to get a lot of things. Ezekiel 38 and 39, you won't understand that when they say they're going to be taking, uh, they will take no wood out of the, the forest for some seven years. They'll be burning the weapons left on the battlefield after Armageddon. You won't understand that until you understand that some of the people are the nations. Who are the nations? Those are the people that did not take the mark of the beast. So they're not tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And they didn't receive Jesus. So they're not harvested. And on the trumpets, which we'll get to in a second, they are told that they're going to be ruled over with a rod of iron. If they break a law, it's toast. Now, let's tie Feast of Weeks back into Matthew 24. And then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Again, the bridegroom returns on first fruits. Hang on, though. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were ready. They that were ready, that's very important, they which were ready. Not everybody gets to go in. Wait a minute. You mean some people have accepted Jesus that don't get to go in? That's correct. Why? Because this is not talking about heaven. This is not talking about eternity. Listen to what it says. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward, 
also came those versions saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He said, no, I don't know you. What's going on? It's because this is Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. And this is the day that the dead in Christ rise first. And then anyone that is in Jesus that is ready, dead or alive, they all get to go along with the first fruits, along with the barley, along with the Israelites. They go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you go back into what I tried to talk about yesterday, if you go back into Moses, when they first arrived at the mountain, that's when the audible voice of God spoke to mankind in mass by the first time. That's when he basically said, I will be your God if you be my people. And they said, whatsoever the Lord says that we will do. Meaning, I'm proposing marriage. Will you accept the marriage? And the Israelites under Moses accepted. This is the fulfillment of that marriage. Not everybody gets to go into the marriage supper. So if you're thinking, well, yeah, well, if I'm a Christian, I get to go to the marriage supper. Only those that are ready. Well, what are the requirements to be ready? Well, I'm going to leave that up to the Lord. That's his decision. But my point is, so they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. All right, now let's talk briefly about the marriage supper of the Lamb. What happens at the marriage supper of the Lamb? This is the first resurrection, the resurrection of the barley and the wheat. And this fulfills the scripture that says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is not about us. It is about Jesus. We only get two things. We get a wedding garment. I didn't say everything that we're going to, we don't get our crowns. We don't get our, our mantles and our things like that. Okay. We only get a wedding garment. And then about four months later, we're given a white horse when Jesus is given a white horse to return for the great harvest or Armageddon on trumpets. Jesus, however, he changes from being Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He changes from being the Prince of the Kings of the Earth, and he becomes the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is given a vesture dipped in his own sacrificed blood with which he wears when he returns at Armageddon on trumpets. All right, now let's move down. Let's talk about trumpets. So trumpets, then we go to Leviticus twenty-three, twenty-three. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial. Here it is, here it is. Blowing of trumpets. Blowing of trumpets. Okay. And what is really surprising, this is only a couple of verses, and he basically says, well, for the Feast of Trumpets, just blow trumpets. Why? Because the Feast of Trumpets is not for the Jews. The Feast of Trumpets is for those that are in Christ. Remember Matthew twenty four twenty nine says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven, to the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and here it is, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's trumpets. Stan, how do you know that's trumpets? Here it is. It tells us. And he shall send his angels out with the great sound of a... What's the word? Trumpet. Trumpet. <laughs> He's telling us this is trumpets. It happens on trumpets. He's tying this to the feast. Oh, you got another scripture for that? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we won't all die before Jesus returns, but we should be changed, meaning we get our glorified body. In a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. What is that? That's the seventh trumpet. That's the final trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. First Thessalonians 4.15 For we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord Jesus shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Here it is. This tells us. It tells us what feast he returns on. With the trump of God. Again, that's the seventh trumpet. With the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the reason Matthew 24 says, Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall send his angels out to gather his elect from the four winds of heaven to the other. And that's when he uses the morning star to burn up all of the tares, which is why it says, As a lightning shineth even from the east and to the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, that morning star, that light sword, is like a giant laser, and it goes swish. And he kills millions of the tares. He comes to burn the tares to when their other angels return with sharp sickles to slash the grapes. This is the grape harvest. This is the burning of the tares. This is the wheat harvest, the grain harvest, Armageddon. So when does the rapture take place in that? It takes place after the burning of the tares. Matthew thirteen thirty. Gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire. Then gather my wheat into the barn. So when does the rapture take place? After the burning of the tares. After all of the sinners have all been removed, then he first raises the dead Christians and then those that are alive all together in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's when we get our glorified bodies. That is when we get all of our rewards, our mantles, our crowns, everything, everything in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. It all happens on one day. I believe it's Isaiah seventeen fourteen says, In the evening tide they are, that's Armageddon, that's the armies attacking Israel, and the morning tide, tide they are not. In other words, in one 24-hour day, Jesus returns, puts down all of his enemies, and gives out all of the rewards. So how crucial is it that you get my book? Look, brothers and sisters, I didn't write this book. It was not my idea. I had made several DVDs, but one of the visions told me to put it in a book and told me that people would buy the book. So it's important for you to get the book because God wants to make you a prophecy teacher working miracles in the last days. You cannot be teaching lies if you want God to call you to teach. You got to teach truth. This is a supernatural book, one audible voice, 30 revelations and two visions. You do not know what's in this book. No one has come to me and said, oh, you already knew it. No, you didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, by the way, this is all new information. Why? Not because I'm special. It's because you're special. God wants to raise up you to build his kingdom these last days. One for 20. Don't do that. Five for 30, 10 for 55. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. Also, go to Sevenfold Miracle Crusades and get signed up for our crusade so we can train you how to teach Bible prophecy and to walk in miracles. God has called this ministry to win thousands upon thousands, to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. If you love Prophecy Club, you are a watchman. Thus, you are called to be part of this end-time army, and you should be at this crusade. 
I will teach through my two prophecy charts, talk on Miss the Mark, lay hands on and anoint you with four milliliters of Revelation oil for you to receive the same Revelation spirit I received when I memorized the book of Revelation. Leslie will teach on her school of the prophets, lay hands on you and anoint you with her prophetic oil to receive the prophetic anointing to hear the voice of God more clearly. Registration fee $300. Do not doubt whether God has called you to be at this crusade. Be like Caleb and believe God to provide the funds and the days off to attend. If you love Prophecy Club, that is your confirmation to come. The Holy Spirit gave you that desire. Pray and God will provide the ways and the means. This is a supernatural meeting to prepare you to walk supernaturally in the supernatural days of tribulation. So use your supernatural faith to come. April 8 through 12, 2020 at the Hyatt Regency in Richardson, Texas. That's in the DFW area. Go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and register. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com The registration fee increases the closer we get to the crusade. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings without interruption. The introductory rate, $20 recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. You get the first three days free just to check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com 